You're listening to Caucasus Talk, your source for culture, history, and tourism in the North Caucasus Mountains of Russia. I'm your host, Andrew. I'm Eli. And welcome to Tourist Month, listeners. Andrew, am I a host? You are, you are a co-host. Okay. I just, I realize you, you always introduce yourself as a host, and I often don't. Like, I'm, and I'm Eli. I, I do I say host or do I say co-host? Andrew's assistant. <laughs> Well, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> I totally took the wind out of your sails. We are both hosts. So I could say, and I'm your host, Eli. That that's right, right. That's right. Okay, thanks. Thanks, yeah. Dad. Anyways. The power play. Uh, this is where I come in with my classic. So anyways, like I was saying. Um, what were you saying? It's tourist month here Woo! at Caucus Talk. All right. You've just done something you've never done. You've clipped. You spoke so loudly that you clipped on your signal. I am that fired up right now. Yeah, that's a first. So we are, listeners, we just made this up, but here's the deal. <laughs> the Caucasus in the, in the summer is when tourist numbers spike. Explode. Yeah. <laughs> and lots of those people are coming to climb Elbrus, but that's when you can do all your trekking and hiking and all kinds of good stuff. Um, so, and summer is fast approaching. That's right. And this is the time people are booking flights, making reservations, making summer plans. You've probably already got that beach house <laughs> booked. You probably had it booked. Your father-in-law probably booked it last summer. That's right. This summer. Okay, kids, it's that time again. But March and April is going to be tourist month here. Kind of like, kind of like shark week. So I'll just, he said March and April, but what he means is, is from now the 15th. <laughs> Until about, about the middle of next month. That's right. So we're going to dedicate the next four or five-ish episodes yeah. to the topic of tourism here in the North Caucasus. You know, we talked about this some in the beginning mm-hmm. episodes of tourism, Caucasus Talk, but... Yeah, it's in our tagline. Yeah. So we really do want to um, help you learn more about tourism here and really empower you to come. Honestly, we want you to come. That is a good word to use right there. Empowerment. Yeah. Yeah. So just actually, when we're talking about this, Andrew said, you know, it can be tourism month, like, like shark month on discovery. Shark week, baby. Shark week. But yeah. not, <clears throat> I'm sure there's some shark week fans out there. There are. It's probably not exactly what we're going for. Yeah. The shark, but there are no sharks in the caucuses. You can swim in the Caspian Sea without fear of any predatorial creatures. No sharks or sharknadoes. You know, I actually looked up Caspian predators when I went to the <laughs> sea to see what was there. And there's some like Soviet warship called the Caspian Predator. Oh, and there's all my. these like pictures of this amphibious vehicle or something. I was like, ah, I don't know what that is. <laughs> That's obviously, not, but nothing's going to bite my toes in that water. <laughs> Moving right along. Um, Caspian predators. So. <laughs> Just to give you kind of a sneak peek, listeners, we have some interviews we've done with tourists, foreign tourists who have come through the region that we're going to release. Um, we've got finally the long-awaited launch of the tour company that uh, I'm a part of, of starting the website. here. That's right. Yeah. Um, and we have some really cool interviews with us. We're hoping to get land a huge interview with a local expert on the mineral waters of, of the North Caucasus. Now, I just want to say something about this. So I'm going to take that as my segue. So you might think an interview about mineral water is something a little, um, I don't want to say boring, but maybe a little pedestrian, right? Yeah. Okay. Mineral Bland. waters here are nothing short of um, critical, 
vital, yes, central, crucial, crucial to life, daily life in yeah. the North Caucasus. Yeah. Every grocery store, every little mini mart has mineral waters. They're bottled. They're numbered from their source. This is big. My first day when I arrived in Russia with my family, we met our neighbor and he said, tomorrow I'm going to the mineral baths. You should come with me. <laughs> And I did. What went through your head when he said that to you? I was like, we are here. We have arrived. <laughs> I've got to do it. Um, and That's amazing. It was amazing. These, the pools were naturally like 104 degrees Fahrenheit or something. I mean, they were bubbly. Anyway, no, the hotter than that. Uh, I don't remember the numbers now. So in honor of our, of our newly inaugurated tourism month, I'm going to play a little clip of something I recorded out in the field last week. That's awesome. Yeah. And is this it, like the field, the skiing field outside of Pitigorsk? This is like the proverbial field. Ah, okay. Um, you know, research from the field. Uh, field notes. We can call them field notes. It could be a new segment. A new segment. Because what we need is one more segment. <laughs> yes. Field notes. So I'm going to attempt my technology here to play this. And um, this is just a little, my experience with some mineral waters last week. Greetings, listeners, from rainy Paliana Narzan. I'm up here, right near Elbrus, right near uh, a town called Terskol, which we've already heard about from our friend. I've been spending the day ice climbing with my friends. Uh, it's snowy, but but above freezing, so now it's some rain is falling. Anyway... The, the foot of this hill where we went ice climbing is, uh, it's a little bit of, of an event going on down here. It's called Baliana Narzan, and it's a spring. The water running out of the spring, as we walked across this little field and then into the woods, we could see this, this red river, like rusty. It's bright, it's sort of orange, russet. And this is the water from the spring, and uh, it's... Uh, the key word here is paliazni, meaning like healthy in every way possible. So we're going to go taste this uh, spring water and see what we can see, what we can see, see what we can taste. I'm making my way through the tables of knickknacks and trinkets and magnets and bags of mountain tea, past big tourist buses, not buses, but big vans. This guy is selling cakes out of his trunk, and. Uh, we're getting out of the parking lot here. <laughs> Just like cakes. And here we've got our first... You would think like it's rusty... Um, I don't know. Um, construction runoff or something. And it, it's just kind of flowing all over here. Uh, this girl's washing out her cup and getting a cup. Let's have see if she doubles over when she takes a drink. Oh, she bottled it and left. Dang it. We'll never know. All right, we got to try it. So... Um, I'm at a little kind of pile of rocks cemented together with a pipe coming out. I'm going to ditch my tea in my thermos here. Paka tea. Whoop. There we go. Looks just like the water all around here. And I'm going to... Yeah, it's kind of mild, tepid. It's not cold. It's not hot. And let's fill it up here. Looks a little bit dark in my couple of foreboding but and smells metallic how are we surprised and here we go mmm 
Wow, that is really not what I expected. It's very soda-y. Mm. And, <laughs> and metallic. But yeah, it's got like a, a minerally punch to it. So, Narzan. I don't really know what it means. It's on bottles in the store of lots of different mineral waters. Well, I was just told in the parking lot that Narzan originally is Narts, Nartsan, meaning comes from the Narts. Now, the Narts are an ancient mythological race of giants who used to live here, and there's legends and mythology all about them. So this is the water that they drank, see? So that's why it's Narzan. Reminds me, probably, it reminds Paul out there if he's listening, of the Ents and the Ent Wash uh, from J.R.R. Tolkien's Fellowship of the Ring. Excuse me, a burp just came from that soda water. And the hobbits drank the drank the water in it. Now this, all right, now we're at another source here. Parizna, normalna, mozna. Da? Kareachi jest. Not a naturalny. So naturalny. Wow. Okay, I'm in a little circle of... It's like a little shrine. I've got to step out of the shrine because there's a lot of people who want this. There's a little uh, circle of rock wall about two and a half feet tall. It's got two eagles on it, two lions on it, panther. And in the middle is nothing short of a small cauldron. And this rusty water is bubbling up. It's not hot. It is carbonated, naturally. Narzan, they said. Uh-huh. So now we're getting to it. I can taste that mine is a little bit, the one that I, I got across the parking lot is a little bit, mm-hmm, a little bit bubbly. I'm going to discreetly pour this out. It's probably sacrilegious to do this. And I'm going to taste this after they all done taking videos. Uh-huh. Okay, here we go. This is not a joke. That's the sound of the water in this little cauldron. I'm going to dip and drink. Tastes the same. A little less metallic. Maybe I'm just getting used to it. Man, that's wild. So, now we know. Here we go. Another dip from the the well of the giants. Bubbles up. And that's it. That's our first field notes segment, such as it is. Wow, I'm thirsty. All right. Now, that, that was awesome. That was, that was very, I could picture myself there. I've been to most of that. I don't think I've seen that cauldron though. Yeah. It's, but that, that was awesome. Thanks. Hey. And what I didn't record was the conversation I had with a lady just preceding this in the parking lot who told me the Narzan bit. And I was trying to understand, like, I was kind of prodding her. It's like, so it's healthy, right? She's like, of course it's healthy. I'm like, but how is it healthy? She's like, what do you mean? How is it healthy? And I didn't understand all the vocabulary she used, but her body language was like, oh my gosh. It was just, <laughs> she was just kind of gushing. And then she said, there's, it's living water. It's living water. There's wow. dead water and there's living water. Like, how could you ask this question? I mean, she was a little bit exasperated. So when we talk about, like, someone interviewing someone about the mineral waters, it's going to be, I think it's going to be really interesting. Does he work at that, no, not the place you mentioned, 
So we're hoping uh, our interview subject, he uh, is the head of a, a local health spa resort. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I think what you're saying, Eli, is right. Like, people just feel really strongly about this and they believe in it. And so, and this has been a, it's, it's been around for hundreds of years here. So sure. yeah, it'll be great to kind of learn more about it. Yeah. So we'll break out the bubbly for the, for the bubbly. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So field notes, that's a new segment. I really enjoyed that. I'm, I uh, realized that you go on tangents even when I'm not around. About <laughs> just ints and hobbits and <laughs> one man's tangent is another man's. I don't know. Being on top. Passion. Okay. All right. So, listeners, our first kind of segment here that we're gonna introduce on Tourist Month is an interview with a Brit. All right, listeners, you are in for a special treat. We have our first ever British guest on the show. Welcome to Madeline. Woo! Welcome, Hi, Maddie. Guys. Hello. Is Maddie short for something? It's short for Madeline. Uh, I'm Madeline. Yeah. Figured, but. Madeline. What's your full name? Madeline Eve Francis Tarazzo. I've got the full four. Wow. Whoa, say that, that again? Madeline Eve Francis Tarazzo. Wow, that's strong. No, it <laughs> I didn't is, know that. It is strong. Which which country do you run? No, we, um, ha, the full four. Is that a typical British thing to have four then? Not really. It's just I have my mom's surname as an extra middle name. Okay. So I've got a middle name, an extra middle name, and a surname. Because I would think the three would be, for, I mean, for us, the full three. So four is... Four actually, is greedy, really, isn't it? I, 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 it's ambitious. My I've nephew has I've never four. even heard that term, the full four, but I really like it. <laughs> That sounds like a band name. Anyway, full four. Well, that's so, a lovely name. Uh, Maddie, let's do a quick bio. Where are you from? I am from London in okay. the United Kingdom. Okay. I was born there. I grew up there, lived there for most of my life. Now, okay. I have a question about this. Okay. When you say London, are there people who, who, who push back on that? Like, now, are you really from London itself? Yes, okay. absolutely, absolutely. This is really common. Like, I think Brits who live abroad, yes. if they're from anywhere within, let's say, 100 miles of London, they don't bother to explain where they're oh, from. Yeah. Why would they? Yeah. Okay, so I'm from D.C., born mm-hmm. in Washington, D.C., like in the district, and I get this from people who probably couldn't find it on a map. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like the first, oh, I'm from Washington, and they're like, oh, you, now are you from inside the district? And I was like, <laughs> why does that matter? I mean, <laughs> but you are, but I am. So there. <laughs> anyway, so I'm glad to hear that. You're from the too. city. The, okay. I get the exact Londoners. same thing, but no, I'm from London, London. Like right, fist bump. Absolute London. We're do so fist bump. if you, uh, if there are other, actually, we know there are other Brits listening to this because our stats show us that we have <laughs> so far. I've had thirteen downloads in the UK. What part of London? Just that'll be interesting. I'm to those from North London, East Finchley. Call out to all the listeners in East Finchley. Yeah, tweet. Sorry, those are Finch. That's awesome. <laughs> cool. Uh, cool. And uh, how did you end up? Uh, so you took us through your childhood. How did you end up here in Pitigorsk? In this, if you want to call it a studio, studio quote. This is a studio, Andrew. <laughs> well, it's a little bit of a long story. Uh, my undergraduate degree was in modern languages. I did Russian and Italian. Wow. And 
as part of our course it's pretty common in the UK for modern languages degrees in the third year of your degree you spend it abroad to practice the languages to get to know more about the culture and all the rest uh-huh. of it. So did you flip a coin I mean between Italy and Russia? Oh no I did both. All right there we go. Uh-huh. I did half and half I did oh. six months in one and six months in the other. And were you fluent at that point? At that point no I arrived here I could read 19th century novels in Russian, <laughs> but when it came to ordering a coffee, I was struggling. I was really struggling. Behold yeah. there, young fellow. Yeah. I was going to say, we've all been there, but I've never been able to read in Russian 19th century <laughs> Russian novels. So. Well, I mean, with a dictionary, I'm not going to exaggerate uh, yeah. like, slowly. But, but still. Yeah. So my, my spoken Russian and my knowledge of modern Russian was really poor until I came here. Uh-huh. Um. So, yes, I had to, I knew I had to spend half of a year in Russia, somewhere in Russia. Most of my uh, classmates were going to Moscow, they were going to St. Petersburg. um, And I guess I thought I would rather do something like go to the North Caucasus. Uh, And that was partly because a guy two years ahead of me had been to this university, to Pitigorsk uh-huh. uh, State Linguistic University. And he had come back and told us these amazing stories about how cool it was and how what a great time wow. he'd had and this stuff. And it was also because I was reading a lot of uh, Lermontov, who yes. uh, is a famous Russian writer who spent time in Pitigorsk. And yes. His most famous novel is set in Pitigorsk. Yes. And I got it into my head that I could go and have adventures in the North Caucasus like Lermontov. That is a direct Um, line from those those romantic writers to like your actual experience. Because that's what they did. They glorified and romanticized this region, uh, which is not hard to do. This region and this city. Yeah, in the city. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So when my, the first uh, months when I was here, every time I said to someone I was from London, the reaction was always a sort of confused face and they would say, but what are you doing here yeah. in Pitigorsk? I, I can't relate to say, that. Oh, yeah, <laughs> whenever they were like, but you could be in London. Why are you here? Uh-huh. Um, and I would say, well, it's because of Lermontov, which explained nothing whatsoever. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Wow, uh, very cool. That's true. So, uh, listeners, you may have never heard of Lermontov until now, but... I, I want to encourage you to follow in Maddie's footsteps. You don't have to go to Moscow or St. Petersburg if you want to come to Russia. <laughs> come to the North Caucasus. It is awesome here. That's, that's yeah. really cool. I would second that. Get off the beaten track. There's so many places that people don't know about. Yes. So, uh, Maddie, you're, uh, you, I'm sure you purposely omitted the university where you studied, but you got to tell everybody where you studied. Uh, I was studying at Oxford University. In which college? St. John's College. Lovely. Yeah. I was just there this summer. Were you? Indeed? In Oxford for a week. I can't tell if you're joking or being I'm serious. not joking. Did you go to St. John's? <laughs> We've just met, but she already knows that she can't <laughs> tell if I'm joking. Like that, that's some good knowledge. Can't trust this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly don't remember. Um, I think we drove past it. Possibly. It's not one of the most like showy, yeah, yeah. medieval looking ones. Right, right, right. It's pretty, it's pretty beautiful. Uh, the whole city was amazing. We really loved our time there. But this is not about that. Yeah, of course, Maddie, you're not snobbish like, hey, I'm an Oxford grad. But I just thought that should be pointed out to our listeners. You are authoritative on what we are talking to you about today. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Andrew. Yeah. Uh, so uh, one more uh, fun fact about yourself, and then we'll talk about mm-hmm. the North Caucasus. Uh, when I think uh, Great Britain, United Kingdom, I think soccer or football. Mm-hmm. Football. Uh, who is your favorite soccer team or football club? 
Well, I'm a big fan of West Ham United. Uh-huh. Uh, we've had a stellar start to this season with three losses in a row, which is <laughs> nice. pretty, pretty, pretty normal for West Ham. Okay. Uh, we have a song which is all about how our dreams fade and die. That's literally a lyric from the song. <laughs> that is a sport. So, I, I understand that. I, I think as a my home fan. team, the Washington yeah. Redskins, needs to borrow that. Sorry, everyone. Sorry. Uh, <clears throat> wow. On. So, is there any? Uh, soccer club you just want to take a jab at right now your least favorite better not be mine uh, that would be Tottenham Tottenham oh, can no. go rotten hell for oh, sure oh <laughs> took it to him <laughs> is Tottenham is that where Clinton Dempsey played the American uh, yeah he played in Fulham actually didn't he but maybe he had he a little bit Fulham. of he definitely played for Fulham but I think maybe a, a bit of time at Tottenham did Tottenham do they have the white and black stripes or is that Fulham no that's those are the referees uh, Newcastle <laughs> Newcastle. I'm I'm in, I'm a big sports fan and I'm embarrassing myself right now public to the world about my lack of knowledge about uh British soccer. Well, you call it soccer, so that's the first thing. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's, I'm just going to stop. He's condescending, not condescending, he's reaching out to, to our non-British. Trying to connect, to and it's just not happening. Yeah. So, uh, okay, West Ham United, shout out to any West Ham United fans. Who's your club, fans. Andrew? Who's your club, man? See, I, I'm a huge sports fan, but I've never picked a club mm-hmm. I cheer for. So, of course, in all the mm-hmm. big world events, I'm cheering for the United States uh, and like World Cup and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyways. Yeah, good. All right, so, uh, and just the personal connection here, uh, my wife and Maddie and I, we were in the same Russian language group last year. So that was, I think it was spring 2016. Yeah, is that that's right? right, yeah. Uh, studying Russian together. Um, so that's how we know each other. Uh, not the first time in our home, but the first time in our storing, recording studio. Definitely. So we're she glad you're here, Maddie. Room. She's back visiting Pitigorsk. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you already said how you ended up here in the North Caucasus. When you came, mm-hmm. if you can think back to first impressions, mm-hmm. I really like first impressions. They tell you a lot. Can you remember something unique about the North Caucasus that was a surprise, a pleasant surprise? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, let's see. The first, the first time I came here was 2013, and the whole region was kind of ramping up for the Sochi Olympics. Uh, yeah. It was mm-hmm. a few months before the Olympics were going to happen. Um, and one of the things they did for the Olympics was they drew a lot of the translators and the volunteers who worked at the Olympics from the linguistic university in this city because it has a big pool yes. of like English speakers and foreign language speakers who study there. And I just sort of f- fell into this group of young people who were so enthusiastic and had this like amazing wide open world view, despite having never, you know, left the North Caucasus. Most right. of them had never been anywhere and they spoke you know fantastic foreign languages they'd never met an English or an American person but still spoke like amazing English so I was I was very surprised that there were these this is an obscure place nobody in the west has heard of where Pitigorsk is and I was amazed to meet all these people who had this huge broad open outlook on the world Mm. that was really cool um that is very cool and observation the I really liked as well the I mean Russians are famous for their hospitality but when you meet Caucasians they even by Russian standards are extraordinarily kind and welcoming and that was my experience coming here all right footnote our listeners that by this point are probably a little sick about hearing about hospitality from Andrew and me because we are just (laughs) like this is the the shoot 
she said that on her own accord. I mean, that came out just spontaneously. I just want to say that so it's known. That was an authentic uh, response. Yes, very cool. Uh, and you know what? We, we joked before this podcast, we, there might be some America, like UK jabs back and forth, British jabs mm-hmm. back and forth each other. A stereotype in America is that British people are kind of like not very warm and hospitable, at oh, least sure. in public. Can you deny or clarify that? And then just coming here as a British person, like as Americans, we're blown away by the hospitality here. But uh-huh. uh, even building on what you said, how was that for you? It's like nothing I've ever seen in Britain. I'm okay. not saying, like I'm not saying British people are unfriendly. I'm not right. But well, Andrew this is. thing about <laughs> <laughs> clarify or you can reject my stereotype. But it is well, a stereotype. Americans I mean, have. this thing about being like reserved—that's pretty true. Like, I would never ever expect in Britain to be invited to a stranger's home like five minutes after I met them, which we wouldn't. Apart either. from in like a very creepy way. Exactly. But in in <laughs> yes. the Caucasus, it happens in a totally totally honest and uh nice and friendly way like Mm. on a fairly regular basis sure that's been our experience good good stuff uh all right so maddie you've been this past year this is correct you're living in saint petersburg right and you've been Mm -hmm. teaching english there doing some translation that's right i'm working in a uh, english language school there teaching english okay so of course we know saint petersburg is very beautiful they call it the cultural capital of Russia. Mm. What would you say, if you could boil it down to one or two things, what distinguishes the North Caucasus from St. Petersburg? Ooh. Other than there's everything. A lot of, there's a lot of things. <laughs> I mean, they're well, really different worlds, I know. They're extremely different. I mean, uh, St. Petersburg fundamentally feels like a European okay. city. Mm. It feels like a modern European city. Mm. And the Caucasus is not like Europe at all. Right. It's very, very different. Okay. Uh, strangely, there, there is, like, I don't find the architecture that different because, well, here in Pitigorsk and the uh, Mineralnyavodi towns, yeah. um, a lot of the buildings were built by these, like, Italian architects who mm. were brought in to build, like, the spa buildings right. and this kind of thing, which is the same thing that was happening in St. Petersburg. Interesting. So some of the kind of, the look of the town is in some ways not that different. But the spirit of it is totally different. Mm. Can you describe how? Uh, really difficult to say. I have always found in the Caucasus, you feel like you don't... When you wake up in the morning, you might have a plan for the day, but you don't know what's going to happen in the day. <laughs> anything very well anything said. could happen. Yes. Um, there's this sense of possibility slash chaos, but in a good, <laughs> I mean it in a positive yeah, way. Sure. It's pretty exciting. Uh, and St. Petersburg doesn't quite have that same like anarchic spirit. <laughs> hmm. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Good. Okay. Next question. Would you, have you, so can you just briefly, where in the Caucasus besides Pitigorsk have you traveled to? Uh, like everywhere? Have you? Every, every, well, everywhere. I mean, I've tried to, I tried, uh, I've been here several times and I've tried to go to as many places as possible. So okay. I've been to, I have been to Chechnya and Dagestan. Uh-huh. I've been to various places in kabardino balkaria and mm-hmm. Karachay-Cherkesia. And mm-hmm. I've also been through the Caucasus to Georgia and Armenia as uh, well. And cool. gone like the road that goes right through the mountains. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, that's pretty good spread. So, yeah. uh, do you have a favorite or most spectacular part or um, most beautiful? You can Some... kind of pitch this to, to tourists. 
Yeah, like, okay. I'm gonna, it could even was, be more than one. This was such a difficult, difficult question because <laughs> there are a lot of beautiful places. And if you like mountains, then this is without a doubt the place to mm. come because the mountains are just spectacular. Awesome. Um, but what I, I mean, I love being in the mountains, so there's that. But what I find really interesting is here there's both this fantastic natural scenery, but there's also some really interesting, like, kind of ethnographical stuff going on with all the different cultures mm. and different peoples that live here. So one uh, place that I visited that was sticks out in my memory is this place called Dargavs in uh, North Ossetia. Yes. Uh, it's called the Gorodmjortvuk, the city of the dead. Uh-huh. Um, and to get there, it's a, it's a long drive through the mountains on these kind of twisty, turny, windy roads, but going through these amazing valleys and as you come through the valleys, there's these huge uh, stone towers, these square stone towers, which are kind of there from the medieval period. And they come sort of looming out of the fog and they look amazing and mysterious and beautiful. Wow. And eventually you get to this place called the City of the Dead, which is just on a hillside. There's these little structures. They look a bit like a little bit like beehives, I guess. Um, they've got these little brown roofs and they're little yellow walls and they are their tombs. And quite little is known about how long they've been there or why it was mm. built in this way. Um, they think it's there was a plague in the village there at one stage and they buried all the dead outside in these quite elaborate little tombs. And inside you can see kind of skulls and remains of these people. Oh. But it's just absolutely remote in this, in this valley that's almost impossible to reach. Right. On the side of a hill, there's these beautiful little structures and it's, just amazing the the places and my and my guess is too it it's um it's unique or distinct or there's it's probably really other from what we've experienced in other places because we can i think you know if we're if we've traveled or you know seen pictures from around the world we might have certain kind of associations of this feels kind of european this feels mm-hmm. east asian and to me it, it sounds like what you're saying this mm-hmm. there's no kind of reference point it's sort of its own mm. thing you know there's the the architecture and and the place um i think adds to really the wonder yeah. of experiencing it absolutely cool i've seen pictures of that place but i haven't been there said so that was that was an enthralling description it was in the <laughs> british I'm, accent I'm i was just totally drawn in i'm like can we can we get this on tape oh we have it on tape i'm recording it okay <laughs> speaking of british accent i wanted to bring this up this is a good segue uh-huh. Uh, you might just laugh at this. I, I don't uh-huh. know what British people think about this, but I think in general Americans like the sound of British accents. Well, of course, we like, do. That, <laughs> like they sound cool to us. Uh-huh. What a just be honest. What do British people think of American accents? Uh, You're the spokesperson. Or how do how do they sound to your ears? Like I would say to most Americans, British accents sound beautiful. Well, I mean, it's just so you. different from ours, but. I mean, is that even something British people talk about or think about? Yeah, no, it, it is. But I think it's a bit of a different relationship because the weird thing is we watch so many films and right. TV in American that sometimes that starts to sound more... Na- I don't know. I, I find sometimes it sounds uh, more natural to me than a British accent. Okay. And then after I've watched an American film or something, I hear myself speaking. And I'm like, <laughs> Whoa, what kind of accent is that? Um, but no, I like American accents. I like American accents a lot. And I, I like... You've got a bit of a Southern accent. Yep. Mm-hmm. I really like the Southern accent. And like a, a proper New York accent, I really like as well. Oh, ah, okay. 
I, I mean, Americans think British accents are beautiful and or evil uh, because any truly <laughs> evil person in American media has a British accent from like, you know, animals and Disney films. It's like, yeah, you know, if you want to really be true. evil, you have to have the British accent. Wow. Yeah. You're truly diabolical. That I was never thought good. about that. Thank you. That was good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so. Is there any other part of the North Caucasus you want to give a shout out to as far as beauty? Because there are so many. You're right. To narrow it down to one is hard. To narrow it down to one is really hard. How about something um, really different from that experience, but also beautiful? Also really beautiful. Uh, well, right here in Pitigorsk, uh, there's a big mountain called Beshtau, which yeah. is where the city takes its name from. Um, Beshtau is like in the local language. That means five peaks and uh, Pitigorsk means five Turkish, peaks. Turkish, Turkish, Bokor, Yeah. To be more specific. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and climbing that, this was one of my favorite experiences of all my time here. Last spring, uh, me and some friends, we climbed about two thirds of the way up in the evening. We camped mm. out on the mountain and climbed up to the top in time for sunrise. Cool. And that was absolutely spectacular because it's from, from the top of that, you can see the main Caucasus range. You can see Elbrus, which is the highest mountain in Europe. Yeah. Uh, just kind of sticking up its snowy head. So you could see distance. it at sunrise. Yeah, That's you could awesome. See it at sunrise, and it was the most beautiful thing, really. Right yeah. here in Pitigorsk. That's awesome. Yeah, I've it. never done. Doorstep. Yeah, I've done two sunrise hikes up. I've done three sunrise hikes up Mashuk, uh-huh. which uh, is like a hill compared to Bestal. Mashuk takes an hour to get up. Bestal is probably two and a half to three, maybe yeah. a little longer. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's impressive. You did that. Well done. Oh, it was great. Yeah. Continue to be inspired. Cool. All right. So, uh, Maddie, last thing. Uh, what one thing, you've already said a lot of cool things about the Caucasus, but what one thing do you want to tell the world about the North Caucasus? This, we ask this question to all of our listeners. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, all of in, our guests. In a listeners. kind of general sense, I want to say people probably haven't heard much about the North Caucasus. That's if true. they have heard about it, they've heard about Chechnya probably. And, Probably not good things. Right. Um, so I, I also would say when I first came here, I knew very little about the place mm. other than this kind of like overly romanticized view of it. Um, and I would just say like, look a bit further into what goes on here at the different, the incredible diversity, both in terms of like the natural world and mm-hmm. the, the people who live here. Find out more about that stuff because it's it's really super interesting. Uh and then on a more specific level, mm-hmm. like for my personal interest, like as a kind of a linguist, um, little known fact is that the Caucasus is the most diverse region in the world in terms of languages. Mm. As in for such a small region, it has like a lot, a lot of different languages spoken. Uh, and that reflects the fact that there's a lot of different national groups yes. living here. Yeah. Each of which has their own traditions, their own foods, their own clothes and dances and all this stuff, which they're... Mm really proud and uh, want to tell people about and want to share with people. So, yeah. I'm That's glad great. you brought that up because you're right. A lot of people don't know about the Caucasus. And we've talked about some of these things, but mm-hmm. I bet some of our listeners are like, you're just making that up. That's not real. But like you have confirmed the, the languages, <laughs> the diversity. So, and in a British accent, so it's authoritative. <laughs> yeah. People trust it. People, she went to Oxford, okay? <laughs> It's true. Oxford don't lie. <laughs> that's really good. Yeah, that's, I really like what you said, Maddie, from perspective of a tourist. I mean, you can come here not knowing anything and just mm. really appreciate the beauty. 
But like, if you're interested in languages uh, and history, mm. anthropology, I'm, sociology, Russian ethnology, literature, I mean, pretty much any field. Arts. Like, there's so many interesting things. Like you said, if you come here and really kind of go deeper, that you will find fascinating about this region. Um, good stuff. Great. All right, Eli, did you have any anything else you wanted, any accents you wanted to do or No, no, I don't I can do those off off air, you know. <clears throat> um Yeah. Um just wanna good. just wanna tell the British people we miss you guys. Um we love you and you know, I'm glad we can still be friends. So and, and Maddie, you this is this your third or fourth time here? This is my fourth time here. I'm okay. here only for a week just visiting, yeah. but it's it's great to be well, back. Thank you for making Caucus Talk a stop. That's right. And I mean, think about that, uh, listeners. You first came here in 2013, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Maddie has uh, made four different trips to this region in four years. Like, that's got to tell you it's worth coming to. Awesome. You know? I just can't stop coming back. That's really cool. It's not for the studio. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> as not as for us. the studio isn't. <laughs> Butter yeah. yellow paint. All right. Well, Maddie, uh, I really hope that you are not the last British guest we have on our show. Uh, <laughs> we haven't done anything that offensive yet. Well, except you said all British people are not nice, but <laughs> besides that. My, let the words speak for themselves, what I said. Uh, but uh, Maddie, we really do appreciate you taking the time to be with us on the show. Thanks so much for having me on. It's been great. Well, listeners, um, Yeah, hope you enjoyed that. It definitely is our goal to keep interacting with and meeting more foreigners, English speakers who come through this region so you can hear from them how great it really is. Really, they're going to kind of be the, maybe not the authorities, but the authentic voice that um, I think verifies or or not kind of the things that we share. Yeah. You know, so I'm really glad to hear hear from from Maddie. Yeah. So yeah, um, listeners, Thank you. If you have any feedback, make sure to email us at podcast at caucustalk.com. That is our website, caucustalk.com. And I do want to say, we don't say this on every episode. Um, we know that we didn't name our podcast <laughs> actually after Caucasus. It's the Caucasus Mountains. We named it purposely Caucus Talk because it's really hard to say Caucasus. Caucasus. And caucus, and caucus, caucus talk, talk rolls off the tongue much rules, easier. Yeah. So we know we did that on purpose, but we hope it actually helps you remember caucus this. There we go. Yeah. That's true. We haven't said that for a while. Yeah. Um, so anyways, um, thank you. And we'll look forward to seeing you next time. This was episode 19 of Caucus Talk, your source for culture, history, and tourism in the North Caucasus mountains of Russia. See ya. When you get here. <laughs>